This is a Radio.com original. The first car that came out, I had to pay a sticker. And you work for them? Of course. And you had to pay sticker? Yeah, well, the dealer is charging premiums, and company not going to give us a company discount, so I had to go sticker. You work for Mazda, but they didn't give you a company discount? No, I'm just like any other employee. So. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to a new edition of the Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities and others in the car industry. I'm Randy Cardoon. Coming up on this edition of the podcast, we headed to the Japanese Classic Car Show here in Long Beach, California, where I talk with one of the designers of the Mazda Miata, Tom Matano, and how you can order a real classic car from Japan. But first, we talk about the Datsun Nissan Z car, first showed up in the U.S. as the 240Z Fastback and continued gaining a bigger engine in the 260Z, the 280Z, the 300ZX, and so on. Back in Japan, it was called the Fairlady Z. Now something you may not have known. This from the owner of a Datsun 240Z Sport Wagon at the Long Beach Show. That's right, a Z two-door wagon. The car's owner is Jay Ataka. Mr. Matsuo, Yoshihiko Matsuo, uh, uh, the designer of a 240Z, uh, wanted to have a family of Z cars in different types, two plus two with four passengers, target top, notchback, and the sport wagon. And uh, that, that's what we're displaying right now, uh, all the design graphics and all that. Is it a prototype or was, did they actually make it? So this one never went to a prototype. And uh, it was my passion to build one of those. And I talked about it with him and he helped me out back in 2012. And, and actually did a full scale drawing of body shape and everything. And then, uh, I got on this project in 2013. Within nine months, I finished the car with his help and took it to the National Z Convention. So here it is. It's uh, one of only one in the world. So uh, Mr. Matsuo, he was a designer. Did he actually work with Datsun or Nissan? Yeah. So this is what I displayed here. It shows original sketch from early 1965 and then all the way to the sport wagon drawing. This is from 66. Original 240Z hit the market in late 69. So three years prior to that, he had this sketch. Yeah, it was hard to uh, bring this in reality, but I built this car, so. That's excellent. What made you want to do that? Because uh, it was a one of a kind and it looked awesome. And, uh, you know, we always discuss a variety of uh, ideas with him. And then uh, I see him uh, twice a year. And he visited me every year in the U.S. How did you meet him? Uh, through uh, uh, through events and stuff. But you know, yeah, he he loves uh, the way I built these, and the passion, and the dream that I have. You talk about passion. Look at all the people here today. How did this start building in your mind, and when did this start really picking up? Well, uh, people think it just now happening, but. This is the 50th anniversary of the Japanese Classic Car Show. That means 15 years ago, uh, uh, this, uh, this couple, Koji Yamaguchi and Terry Yamaguchi, 
They've been uh, featured on LA Times headline as well. I uh, started this show 15 years ago, and at the time there were only what handful of cars coming to the show. And it's not happening now, it's been happening since 15 years ago, one year at a time. It seems like boom is now happening, but it's, you know, it's, it's been it's been step-by-step -step process. From your knowledge, or do you know, in Japan, is it the same kind of collector car mania that goes on here? Do you still see a lot of people do collector car mania in Japan? Yeah, they do. And But uh, in Japan, everything is shop-driven. They don't build their own car out of a garage. Here, people finish their cars in their own way, express different you know, taste in their cars. So I think it's more fun here than going to the show in Japan. In my opinion, I go to Japan twice a year, but they always finish the car in the same, like a traditional way. While here, you see a variety of cars with a different finish. What, what was your first car? My first car was a 1979 Lincoln Town Car, the boat. Really? <laughs> I didn't expect that coming from a guy who's so into uh, Japanese yeah, cars. But uh, I grew up with the Cadillacs and Lincolns, so uh, I wanted to buy a Cadillacs and Lincolns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the Cadillac or Lincoln of the Japanese car collector field? Is there anything like that? I know I know Toyota has built the Cressida and all these other things. Toyota Crown, which never launched here. Toyota Century, which is like a Rolls Royce of Toyota, uh, never been here. You might see some of those cars back there on the display. Some people bring them here. The owner of JDM Car Parts and Z Restore extraordinaire, Jay Ataka. Again, original designer Yoshihiko Matsuo envisioned not just the Datsun and later the Nissan Z as a fastback, but he thought of coming with a Targa top and a sport wagon, which Ataka later built, calling it the Phantom Z. Now, speaking of men responsible for some of the most popular vehicles out of Japan, Tom Matano, who in 1983 joined Mazda as chief engineer for Mazda North American Operations, then moved up to become the vice president of design, continuing up the design ladder and was responsible for cars like the Mazda RX-7 and the MX-5, the model that began in the 80s as the Mazda Miata, which I found out owners of that model can actually get this, send their old Miatas to Japan, and Japan would rebuild them to original specs. Right, Tom? Well, it's a restoration program. It's only, I think, in Japan right now. Um, but you have to submit your car, and they will look at the conditions and whatever they think it will be doable, and they will go ahead with it. How did that idea come up, especially I, in Japan? To be honest, I don't really know. But uh, at the very beginning of a concept stage, I wrote this whole story. Like you have it for a while, but family reasons or kids are born, whatever, they might have to part with it. But say 20 years later, when the kid's grown up, you want to go back to have another one. And then, of course, you want to restore it to a condition that you can drive it daily or whatever. So I wrote it. And I talked to the engineer, is there any way we can keep all the parts in sardine can, like oil can, yeah. and then release it 20 years later as a restoration kit? So in a sense, I had an idea about it, but I never knew they are going to do it 20, well, 30 years later. So you actually had this idea when you, they were first built in the That's late 80s, early 90s? No, actually 83 when I wrote the whole story, yeah. Mm -hmm. So pretty much everything I wrote about that whole thing came about. 
that's fascinating that you actually had that insight because nobody was doing that at the time. Where did that know, come but from? That's, like, that's just my own dream idea. <laughs> Were you in that situation where you had a car and you wanted to rebuild it somewhere down the line, but you figured, man, I've got kids, I've got a family, and it just didn't work well, out? I had a, um, some old lunches and Di Tommaso that I worked on it, but not really fully restored. But when you do a car like a Miata, and then bound to be someday you need to restore it. Even in fact, I did the collector's guide to uh, Miata. You know, I got a book, like collector's guides to MG. So I wrote it fictitiously, you know, it's, it's in uh, fiction. Like 15 years later, like a first year, they had three colors, four colors. So whole scenario for three generations, but I didn't do it fourth generation. So that concept of rebuilding the cars, restoring the cars, do you think that'll ever come to California? I'm sorry, do you think that'll ever come to the United States? I think there were talk about it. I don't know whether it's going to come to or not. But, you know, in the States, there are so many privateers can do that. But in Japan, they're kind of rare and hard to come by. So officially doing it may be the right way to do it in Japan. And they restore them to original stock, or will they do things like customize them or anything like that? Pretty much bring it back to the original state. And what would something like that cost in Japan? I have no idea. I didn't look into it, but I, I'm sure it'll be pretty sizable. And you don't. It was your idea. They don't give you any any percentage? No. Even the first car that came out, I had to pay sticker. And you work for them? Of course. You had to pay sticker? Yeah, well, the dealer is charging premiums, and company don't going to give us a company discount, so I had to go sticker. You work for Mazda, but they didn't give you a company discount? No, I'm just like any other employee. So. <laughs> that sounds like a Japanese thing. I don't know. Well, it's a Japanese <laughs> thing. but So I went to the dealer. I'm not going to pay premium, but put me down for the waiting list, mm-hmm. and I pay sticker. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You didn't know anybody then, I take it. You didn't know you, for example. That would get you no, no, no. You know, I, I, I knew this dealer because so many people put the waiting list, right? So I went to, the, he talked to me a couple years prior, said, I'm going to put a couple million dollars for this dealer, rebuild of a dealership. So you better come up with a great product. I said, two years ago, I promised you we're going to bring something special, MPV and a Miata. So I went back to him, hey, you remember two years ago we had this conversation and I gave you those two cars. Is it okay you can put my name down? Uh (laughs) No, that went pretty well. What was your first car growing up? Uh, Datsun um, 1300SS, Bluebird SS, twin carb. Now, was your family kind of a, a Datsun family, or how did... I'm the first one for my immediate family, but my uncle had a 53 Datsun truck, and my grandpa had a Morris Minor. So, you know, around me, they had a cars. Where did the idea for the Miata come from? I don't know. The, all of us, Bob Hall, myself, Norman Garrett, Mark Jordan, all of us had little two, two-seater convertible. So natural that we want to have a full convertible. And that was a dying at the time, you know, MG's old, Triumph is gone, Alpha and Fiat is getting older. So if we could get Mazda to build reliable two-seater sports cars and and affordable, so we can buy it and enjoy it. No, and you certainly succeeded. I mean, the car now, look where it's come from over the years. Yeah, it's a (laughs) self-indulgence. 
self-indulgence. <laughs> so you basically built it so you could get one, is that what you're saying? Well, the, not just me, but a group of yeah. people at the time, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right, that's, that's very cool. And hopefully we're going to hit some you know, agreement with other people. When did you know, though, that the car was going to be a big hit? Because, I mean, obviously you guys wanted it, and you knew, wouldn't it be great if, but how, well, when did initially you... initially hit Chicago Auto Show, right, in February, and all of a sudden we started getting an envelope with the money in it. <laughs> I wonder what that means. <laughs> so that I, I went to legal, what can we do? I said, don't touch it, don't touch it. <laughs> no, that's funny. That's funny. So you, so from that point on, then, because sometimes, let me rephrase the question. Did it take a little while for Mazda to get the concept of what you were trying to do, or were they on board from the beginning? It, this whole thing was just the right people, right place, right time, the whole thing click in you know perfect unison if you miss one element of it wouldn't have happened so i'm grateful that we are there at the same time in the right place to be so that's all it is but then to maintain that whole concept for four generation was a tough one you are such a car guy from what i can tell uh one of the questions that we always ask is of all the what was the car that got away? A car that you used to have that you don't have anymore that you'd love to get back? Valilunga. Di Tomasa Valilunga. Oh, really? It's only 52 in the world. And I bought it and put together, you know, from pieces and drive around. That was a fantastic car to drive. And But being San Francisco, I have to give up three car spaces. So I kept two, which is the... NA Miata and a FDR X7. Now you grew up in uh, in California or were in no, Japan? I grew up in Tokyo. Oh, you did grow up in Tokyo. Talk about the car culture in Tokyo and how it's it's. I don't want to say it's mimicking what's going on here because it's been going on for a long time. Even then, it was a really early stage of it. You know, there are like a first Grand Prix, second Grand Prix, so that whole motorsports coming in. And some of us are driving like maniac on a toge <laughs> before the toge started. And now you can see American cars in Japan, which everybody wonders, well, where do they put them? Because a lot of them are really big. I hear that garage space is at a minimum. Well, yeah, you have to register the garage first to buy a car in Tokyo. So I don't know where they hide them or where they put them. I mean, they have like lowrider cars sometimes. There's a lowrider culture in Japan, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, they were near Yokosuka, where the American base was. So I think that whole thing was people seeing some cars there, and then that special uh, group of people started that. Okay. Like Chevy Astro Van was there in that area, in very specific groups. And I think Toyota Koron did the little box, um, Scion box. That was miniature of an Astro Van. Oh, really? I didn't know that. If you look at the bumpers and stuff, very much like Astro. They actually race uh, vans, passenger vans, in Tokyo, isn't or in Japan. Isn't that true? I suppose so. <laughs> I, I've seen some sort of videos of that. Well, anywhere in the world, there are cars, there are races, right? There are like a, a tractor-trailer races and buses. and Yeah, the human being, they race anything. Every car person has a list, a list of the top five cars that you would love to get someday. I mean, you probably have all of them already, but is there anything on your list? Not really, but uh, no, they're always like five cars that I always love to have. 
change the order once in a while, but um, top one would be the Alpha uh, Tipo 33. And next one is a Kanguro, the, the one offshore car, okay. Alpha Romeo 2. Okay. And SZ, the round tail Alpha Romeo. So those are the top three. Um, Citroen DS wagon. Just like that. Just love the whole idea of it. And maybe 2CD. <laughs> the Citroen Ducibo. Okay. That might be the car. And one more thing is I need to have a big sedan. I never owned a big four-door sedan. So I got to think about like either Continental 61, 63, <laughs> or 600 Mercedes, or, you know, just a big sedan. With the suicide back door? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one. Or, because my grandpa, oh, I mean, great uncle had a Cadillac 57, you know, the tail fin and all that. And I still remember that air conditioning come out of the rear shelf and go to the side of the, you know, air comes out. Right. So I want to have it, but a personal cars are always little two-seater. Uh-huh. Can you imagine driving a 59 Cadillac with the wings and all that somewhere in Japan? Oh, that would be crazy. <laughs> Even a full-size truck is so huge in Japan. Like a F-150 in Tokyo, yeah. it's like a, you know, a huge truck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even the big t- Japanese trucks aren't as big as, like, the Dodge Ram or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's it's just size is really misleading here. Tom Matano, who now is the executive director of the School of Industrial Design at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. All right, so your interest is peaked. You want to actually import a car from Japan or anywhere else. Well, how does that work? Sean Morris is with Top Rank Importers in Cypress, California. Over 25 years old, cars are uh, exempt from federal motor vehicle safety standards, and that basically means we don't need to meet you know, any headlights or crash standards, all those kinds of things like that. Over 21 years old is EPA exempt, right? So basically we're exempt from any of the EPA requirements, any of the emissions requirements, all those kinds of things. The years don't line up. It's the government. Don't ask me. That's what it is. Uh, we're in California. California, we have our own unique set of rules which may or may not be in effect anymore we don't know we don't really know what's going on with that but i'm going to go with the old set of rules which is basically 67 or older to be exempt in california 68 to 74 nobody really knows what to do uh 75 or newer is called direct import and those cars can be brought into california um, standards california requirements so we you know we import cars for people we do auction service where basically we can find uh, buy a car at auction over in japan we can find a car overseas if somebody finds one at a dealer uh, we can send somebody there to inspect it for them to make sure they know what they're getting but also we import cars ourselves we have about 50, 60 cars uh, over in Cyprus. And, um, you know, the biggest stuff, our most popular cars, R32 GTR. Uh, they turned 25 years old uh, in 2014. And um, we're going to have R33 here soon, and but a lot of other things too. But basically, that's the most popular car. The GTR here is known as what? Well, it's Godzilla, but, uh, you know, it's uh, definitely, that was a, it's actually an Australian thing, but uh, I've been dealing with the GTR for 20 years and so um, uh, you know even raced uh, raced R34 GTRs crew chief um, 
on a race team and I've done a lot of stuff with them. I, I definitely enjoy them and we have a lot of them and we sell a lot of them. What would that be? That's a Nissan? Nissan Skyline GTR. Yeah, so this is a 1990 Nissan Skyline GTR. Um, and then next to it we have a, a 1993 Honda Integra. And then behind you here we have a uh, 1990, I think it's two, a Mitsubishi Delica van. So um, we do a, mostly Japanese stuff, although um, I'm actually a New Zealander and uh, my parents live in Australia for a while. So, you know, we can get cars from anywhere in the world. It's just uh, we have a direct connection, really good connection with Japan. And these kind of cars are kind of, you know, you start to get too diverse, I guess you could say. It gets a little weird. So, But we really know this these cars. Most popular vehicle, you said, from Japan is the GTR, correct? Our GTRs, right, yeah. All right, so let's just kind of play the game here and say, okay, what's the most popular vehicle coming out of Australia or New Zealand? Not very many, really. I mean, Holden, Holdens and stuff, you know, Utes, basically, you know, you'd have the Utes, which is a, um, a, a pickup truck, El Camino, Ranchero, that kind of stuff. And so they sold those cars uh, in Australia. They built Holden as GM in Australia, and uh, Ford also has Ford Australia where they have their own cars. But... Um, and then uh, you know you got holding stuff like Commodores and and other like it's just the people don't really know them that well like so people know the Skylines because of video games and know them because of the movies I saw Craig Lieberman over here somewhere it's you know Fast and Furious stuff so um, but so that's how the people know those cars really well. Well, also Mad Max and that kind of stuff. But was there a run for a while on uh, those Falcons? They, they look like Torinos. They bring they bring a lot of money. You know, that's the thing is that, you know, you, uh, you know, some people who look at them don't realize the kind of money that they bring. I mean, they're a $150,000 car. To bring them over. It's what they cost to buy one. Yeah, because everybody in Australia wants one. You've got to buy one out from a guy in Australia that has it. And even, even the police cars, I've seen those around here. Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, there's all some, some, some weird, some different things. I mean, there's, uh, you know, Alfa Romeos and Lancias and... Um, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, uh, at least from 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 Japan, other stuff too, like Nissan Figaros and and POWs and um, look around and like you know, basically there's and I mean, even old Zs and old Skylines and and all of that. There's a there's a ton of cool cars out there that we just were never sold here, and um, you know it kind of opens your eyes up a little. Sometimes you know you start to get down the the rabbit hole of looking right, and you're like, hey, that's kind of a cool car. I wonder what that is. And then you're looking at this, or you're looking at something like a Toyota, you know, Cressida or something, and you're like, oh man, these in Japan they had a, a twin turbo, two and a half liter manual transmission in a four-door. I mean, they're 250 horsepower four-door with a manual trans. You're like, hey, this is kind of cool for something different, not super expensive and just kind of a cool car to have. Being a Mopar guy, I got kind of fascinated looking at some of the Australian derivatives of right. Chrysler vehicles. And for a long time, uh, mid-60s to late-60s Plymouths yes. were referred to as Dodges. Yes. And they even made utes out of things like the Fury 3. You know, that, that whole thing kind of blew my mind. Right, yeah, there's some there's some definitely um, some, some very uh, domestic market um, Chrysler stuff that, that, you know, people look at and they're like, you know, this doesn't exist or that's, you know, and you're like, no, they sold it in Australia. And so it's the same kind of thing where, you know, people... You know, hey, you want you know you want to have something different at a car show, right? Right. And so you're there, and somebody's like, "What the hell? Right-hand drive? You know, what, what's this Dodge or Plymouth or you know?" And you're like, wow. 
I don't understand what this car is. And the rear end is a 68 Dodge, but the front end is something I've never seen on Right, exactly. So I'm a guy who's walked around and seen a specific car, a Mazda or whatever, right, yep. that came from Japan, right-hand drive. I want to get one of those cars. What do I do? I contact you and then what? Yeah, yeah. give us a call. Give us an email. Um, you know, if you're if there's something in particular you want, um, we usually, you know, get a small deposit from somebody to go and go out, look at it, get it. It's a refundable deposit. Just kind of lets us know you're serious rather than, you know, hey, look for look for, a, you know, look for a, a Hako GTR and I want to pay a thousand dollars for, you know, ten thousand dollars. I mean, there are hundred fifty thousand two hundred thousand dollar cars so um, anyway but and then from there we go and we find stuff uh, we take photos of it we get you know information for somebody let them know what it is and then buy it import it and uh, you know we can do California compliance all the rest of the things we need to do so whatever it's uh, you know we can handle whatever we need to do for somebody from everything to to hey just do parts some parts of it so how do people reach you uh it's uh, importavehicle.com or uh our phone number is 844-523-2233 so sales at importavehicle.com sean morris of top rank importers you know there's a part of me that would actually like to import a 68 australian dodge which is really a 68 plymouth here in the u.s and get the ute version that's right the el camino if you will version yeah, try parking that at Spring Fling here in Southern California. People would notice. Thanks for listening. And please share our show, Talking About Cars, the podcast on social media. Subscribe. It's absolutely free. And leave a comment. If you're on iTunes, rate us and review us. Thank you in advance for helping our podcast grow. Our website is talkingaboutcars.net. Follow us on social media, meaning Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to share, retweet, or both. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking and learning about cars.